Would you guys give all of our actors a big round of applause? Amen. Give them a round of applause, guys. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Vic, will you take this uh, uh, incense? <laughs> me, and, me and Vic drove around this morning looking for an incense to get this grill to grow, glow, or smoke. People looked at us like we was finna go get high. Y'all got any incense? What do you want to do with those incense, boy? Boy, I, I, I just want to say, you know, let that not be a stumbling block for somebody that struggles with alcohol. Let that be a cycle that's broke. Let men in this house of God today put their families first. Let men of God in this house today be ready for change. I think that this is the greatest time of the year because I think it inspires not only me, but other men of God to really get serious about the relationship and try to get all their friends saved. <laughs> this Everything you saw here was my life before Christ. Everything you saw here, from telling my kids to get me a beer to roping. I used to serve the roping God. I roped every day of the week. I roped Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I roped up my rent money, my light money. If she would be calling me and say, we got these bills due, your truck payments due. I'd say, I'm going to win it at the rodeo. I wouldn't win nothing. I served the roping God. Too many cowboys today are serving the rodeo God still. they tracking down, taking their kids, and it's not just the rodeo God. All you parents with kids that are in sports, you're serving the sports God. Jesus Christ needs to be first in your life. All this you see up here, drinking, lying, putting on a front to everybody else, acting like I was something that I wasn't. I had good time buddies. If you'll notice, I gave my good time buddy Todd the uh, zebra chair. <laughs> he said, I'm securing my manhood, preacher. I know you are. But I drank. I roped. I lied. I cheated. I disrespected her. I disrespected them boys. And I didn't see nothing wrong with it, Brother Lie. Heck, every other man in the world does it. I'm going to do it too. My dad drank. His dad was a drinker. All my uncles drank. Everybody I knew, every cowboy I knew drank, went dancing, partying, had a good time. It was just a way of life, fighting, cussing. Every other word out of my mouth was the MF word. I'd MF you so fast your head would spin. I would cuss like it was going out of style. It didn't mean nothing for me to cuss you out. i cuss you out like it wasn't nothing. Any men here like me, anybody that used to be like me, don't, don't lie because you're in church. Tell the truth this morning. You drank, you party, you didn't care about the results. You didn't care about bills. You didn't care about life. All you cared about was yourself. I was so selfish. But I didn't think so before Christ. I thought, man, I got a good life. Got a beautiful wife. Got beautiful kids. So what I go out. So what I drink. So what I lie. So what I cheat. Everybody does it. Not everybody does it. Come on, somebody. Not everybody does it. Touch three people and say, not everybody does it. Me and all my friends, we would go out every Friday or Saturday night. We'd rope or drink or 
whatever, we'd make plans, and sometimes those plans would include Mary going out and drinking with me, and we'd leave the kids at Grandma's house. Uh, and I know there's some here that are still doing that. They're leaving the kids at Grandma's house so they can go still drink. If that's you in the house of God today, please stop. Wake up. Oh, I got scripture to back all this up. I'm not going to just do this without no scripture. I got scripture to back this up. Just give me a minute to tell this story. That's what I did. I drank. I partied. I, I did things that were ungodly. I worked. I made money. We had a nice house. We had horses. We had all that stuff. But I didn't have Jesus. Can I say this to you this morning? The most important thing you can ever do in your life is to make a decision to follow Christ. I had a group of guys that I hung out with all the time. They were my buddies. We did everything together. We drank. We partied. We lied to our wives. We, we, we didn't care about results. We did whatever we wanted, however we wanted. We thought we were successful. All of us were managers or business owners or uh, high-ranking officials in the police department. One of them was a Texas Ranger. You know, we had these loud, lavish parties. Money wasn't nothing for none of us. We thought we, we could just do whatever we want, however we wanted. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't care about the law. We didn't care about anything. Well, we were all getting ready to go to a bachelor party for a friend of mine, Kevin, that was getting married. He was getting married, and they were having this bachelor party in, in Fort Worth, Texas. And I, and I was like, man, this is going to be fun. This is going to be exciting. And my friend Dennis Westerman, he's an undercover DPS officer. And now he, uh, he guards the governor. Great. I mean, he, 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 he's a successful man. Uh, he was a mentor. He still is a mentor to me. Uh, uh, honest, integrity, good guy. I looked at his life. I wanted to be like him. Everybody admired him. So he was my friend, and, and uh, I taught him how to rope, and, and he taught me about life and how to live life and be a good example to others. And he asked me one time to, to teach him how to rope, and I said, okay. And so I taught him how to rope, and we'd be drinking beer and going to parties. And every time we'd go out to a club, I called him the manager of the club because he worked undercover for a lot of years. He'd go inside those strip clubs. And, man, we'd be at those strip clubs, and he would just bring girls, like, man, by the droves over to our tables, man. So he would make it the big life of the party we were, when we were in that scene. Well, my friend Kevin was having a bachelor party up in Fort Worth, and I called Dennis and said, hey, did Kevin invite you to the party? He said, yeah, but I can't go. I said, what do you mean you can't go? I said, you're the manager. You got to go. It's not going to be fun unless you're, you know how, can I say this to you? Peer pressure is a son of a buck. All the people that are still drinking, partying, drugging, they're going to want you to get back into that lifestyle. I mean, I was trying to pressure him. I was doing it. Come on, dude. You know, you, we can't do it without you, man. You, you're the life of the party. You got to be there with me. We'll have a good time. He said, I can't go. I said, all right, brother. Okay, so that weekend I went to Dallas, and I went, I went ahead and went with Kevin and Chris and a bunch of those guys. We had an okay time, but it just wasn't the same because Dennis wasn't there. So when I got home that week, we were roping on a Thursday night. Dennis came over, and we was roping in Crawford, Texas, and we were roping that night. And after the roping, I said, hey, let's go over here and stop and get a beer. He said, I can't do that tonight. I, Angela needs me at home. I said, what do you mean Angela needs you at home, man? Just call her and tell her you're going to be late. We're going to stop and get a couple beers. Kevin's going to go, and Tommy's going to go. We're all going to have a good time. Come on. He said, I can't go tonight. I said, what do you mean you can't go tonight? Call Angela and tell her a lie. We always do that. I mean, I'm trying to encourage him. That's what I did. We partied. 
rock and roll. Ooh, boy, we had a good time, I thought. About a week later, I called him up. I got off work. It was about 5 o'clock. Had a stressful day. Called him up and said, hey, meet me over at Zach and Jim's ice house. I'll buy the first round. He said, I can't go. I can't go today. I'm busy. My wife's got something for me to do. No, Aaron's got something. And and he had a daughter named Jordan and a son named Aaron. And I said, what do you mean I got something to do? Well, Aaron's going to do something. And and I said, man, it sounds like you're making excuses. No, I can't go. I'll go next time. Well, that bothered me. He was my best friend, my mentor. I looked up to him. I thought I did something to make him angry. So instead of going to Zach and Jim's ice house that night, I drove over to his house. And I got out of my truck, and I walked up to his door, and I knocked on his door. And the first thing I noticed was he wasn't where he said he was going to be. He wasn't where he told me he was going to go somewhere and do something with his kids and his wife tonight. But I noticed that every car was there that night. So I knocked on the door that night, and he come to the door, and he said, Hey, man, what are you doing? I said, what are you doing? I said, uh, I've asked you to go with me three or four times to get drunk, have fun, party. I said, but you blew me off three or four times. Now I love this guy. I said, did I do something to hurt you? Did I do something to, to, to break our friendship? What did I do? He said, well, let me be honest with you. He said, I was ashamed to tell you this. And I know that feeling, guys. He said, I was ashamed to tell you this. He said, my daughter, Jordan, went to a church called Parkview Baptist Church and gave her life to the Lord. And he said, my son, Aaron, went to a church named Parkview Baptist Church and gave his life to the Lord. My wife joined the church. You see, Mark, I'm the only one that's outside of church in my family. So when you guys went to Fort Worth, I went to church. Wednesday night when you wanted to go to the ice house, I was at church. He said, if you want to be with me, you'll find me at church. I said, man, I said, man, come on, dude. I said, man, quit all that stuff, man. What are you talking about? He said, no. He said, I'm the head of my house. And he looked at me as God is my witness. It was like lightning striking my heart. He said, and you're the head of your house. And he said, I've been letting my family down. I gave my heart to the Lord, and I'd love it if you'd go to church too. When he told me that, when he now pay attention to the story. When he told me that I was the head of my family and that I was responsible for my family, Joey, ten years prior, I was a swan's man. I was delivering food out of a swan's truck. I, I was a swan's man. I had a preacher on my route. And that preacher, 10 years prior to this invitation, had invited me to church. Dalton, I was gone because Dalton was born. Dalton was born, so I missed two or three days, and it was that week I was supposed to be at his house. Well, the next week I showed up, and he said, hey, man, there was a new guy last week. We missed you. Where were you at? I said, man, I'm a proud papa. I said, man, I got two beautiful boys. My wife just had our second kid, and, 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 and I was gone. She was having a baby. And he looked at me, that preacher looked at me. I'll never forget as long as I live. He said, you know, you're responsible to God what you teach them and how you bring them up. That struck a chord when Dennis told me 
when Dennis told me that it was like that preacher was telling me, I went back and I was like, I have lost all these years teaching my kids, telling them about Jesus. This guy I pray to when I want to win the roping. This God I pray to when Mary's on my behind. This God I pray to when I need something is really a real God. But I just thought it was a fad. I just thought, eh, it's, I said, look, man, I said, I, I don't need that. I don't need that church. I, I'm fine. Well, this friend of mine, he didn't give up on me. He called me. That week I went to a roping. It was on a Sunday. He called me and said, hey, how'd you rope? I said, man, I rope really good. You want to go next week? No, I'm going to go back to church. I said, what do they teach you at church? I was inquisitive. I was, I was wondering about what was going on at this church that was so important that could get this guy to change his whole life. Next thing you know, my phone rang about every other day, and it was my friend Dennis telling me about the things that were happening at Parkview Baptist Church. He said, man, you got to come check this out. They built a new church. We're going to build one day, too, here at Caney Creek Cowboy Church, a new church. He was telling me, he said, uh, he said uh, come check it out. He said, they got a big basketball court. They got a big gymnasium there. He said, look, they're opening it up in a couple of weeks. I want you to come play. I said, man, I can't come. I, I, man, I, I don't know, man. Can I say this to you with no shame? He would call me up, Vicky, every night while he was reading the Bible and tell me a story that he was learning himself. From the Bible. My whole family would be asleep in the house. My whole family would be asleep in the house. It'd be one or two o'clock in the morning. Both of us had to work the next day, and he'd be telling me stories that preacher was telling. He'd be telling me stuff about the church, and he'd say, you need to go. You need to come. You need to come on. I said, man, one day I'm going to come. One day I'm going to come. I'll remember it like it was yesterday. I had my Bible out. I do my and I had my phone and I was in my living room in Golson, Texas and he was in his house in China Springs, Texas and he told me to open my Bible to John 3.16 and he took me through where it said for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life and I remember that phone conversation, Nolan, it was like yesterday. He said, do you believe in Jesus? And I said, I do. He said, why don't you come go to church with us? I said, I'll be there Sunday. I said, I'll be there Sunday. <laughs> Every day, that was like on Thursday, Friday. You going to be there Sunday? You going to be there Saturday? Saturday called me. You going to be there tomorrow? I don't know. I'm going to try. I'm going to be there. You going to try? Sunday morning, 7 o'clock, my phone rings. Are you coming today? I told Mary, get the boys up. We're going to church. It's Father's Day. We need to be in church. Let's go. I didn't know what to expect when I got there. I didn't have no fancy clothes. All I had on was a pair of blue jeans, a nice button-down shirt. I walked into this church. Everybody in there had a suit on. looked like Joe Big. Without the beer in their hair. <laughs> Pastor wouldn't allow that to happen in his church. He made Joe shave over there. 
Everybody had a suit and tie on. Everybody was dressed to the teeth. I went in that church, and we made our way to the left side of the building. They had three sections, one, two, three, and I, I made my way to the left because, and I'll tell you why, because there was an exit door over there. If I didn't like it, I'd just get up and leave. I'd done that before, tell them, Mary. We were church hopping. We were looking before 10 years prior. We had actually thought we had found a church called Shiloh Baptist Church. And, and it was you had to go down this creek bottom to get into this church. And if the creek was up, you just didn't go to church. So every Sunday, the preacher would say, see you next Sunday if the creeks don't rise. So I liked that church. We were about to join, and that preacher got called somewhere else. And for 10 years span till this moment, I walked into Parkview Baptist Church. We sat down. Mary sat on the end. Dalton sat beside her. I sat down and Justin sat down beside me. We were a family of four. They did a little thing called meet and greet. Y'all know what that looks like? They did a little thing. I adopted that from their church when I got here. They were singing songs and doing a little thing called meet and greet. And I was walking around the church and I was thinking, man, I'm out of place here, Jack. Look at this guy in this suit. Look what he looks like. Look, I was looking at everybody. And then the preacher's son come and shook my hand. His name was Tyler Phil Tyler Adams was his name. He's associate pastor's son. I didn't know it at the time. He was about 15 years old. And did you know he could pick up an S10 truck? He could like an S10 truck. <laughs> He was just one of them strong kids. So he was making his way through there. I got scripture to back this up. Don't let me lose you. And he shook my hand, and I shook his hand. And I'm a cowboy. My daddy always told me, you shake somebody's hand, you shake your hand. So I went to shake his hand. He like to broke my hand. Oh, my Lord. Well, I dropped the S-bomb in there. <laughs> he shook my hand. I said, S, you know what? And he thought it was the funniest thing he'd ever heard. He ran and told his daddy, that guy just cussed in church. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. He was telling everybody, see that guy over there? He said the S word. He was so young and naive, and, it, and he just thought it was funny, funny, funny. I was embarrassed. After the meet and greet, and we sat back down. Where is Justin and Dalton? Come here. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Come on. Come here, Mary. We sat back down. Mary, you sat on the end. And I'm not, I'm not going to put my boys in one of these chairs. Here, baby, this is yours. I'll put it where I put it. Dalton. Me, Justin. We sat down. It was after meeting greet. After I done said the S bomb, and I sat down like this, and I was ready for some boring service in some boring church. And the pastor's son, daddy, the associate pastor, brother Steve, got up and sang that Sunday, and he sang this song called "He's My Shadow." And the song goes like this. I don't know the lyrics to it. I still don't know the words. I've only heard one other person in my life sing it from Brother Steve. But every time I go home, I ask him to sing that song for me. But the song went something like this. I could teach my kids. Put your head up, boy. 
potatoes. I could teach my kids to throw a baseball. I could teach them to throw a rope to ride a bull. I could teach them to fish. I could teach them to play basketball. But could I teach them about Jesus? And in that song, my heart broke. And I heard the Lord say to me, men, you better listen to me. Women, you better listen to me. I heard the Lord say to me at that very moment, come follow me or else. He said to me, come follow me or else. Touch three people and say, or else. Now, I want you to do it one more time. Listen, I want you to do it one more time without laughing. I want you to do it one more time without smiling. I want you to do it one more time, real serious. Touch one person and say, or else. I was sitting there, and I had my arm around Dalton. I had my arm around Justin. Mary was sitting on the end, and I heard the Lord speak to my heart. He said, come follow me or else. Can I tell you something right now? I felt that or else was he was going to take one of my kids. I felt that day that I need to give my heart to the Lord because he had blessed me with a beautiful family, two wonderful kids, a great life, and my eyes needed to be opened up. And God said, come follow him or else. And I believe that or else was he was going to take one of my children. Man, that sermon was probably four and a half hours long, it felt. It was probably only 15, 20, 25 minute long sermon, maybe 30 minutes. But when God said, come follow me or else, when pastor did an altar call that day, I ran down to that altar and I gave my heart to Jesus. I ran down to that altar and I gave my life to Jesus. And I remembered what my friend had told me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You just had a baby. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And here I am with my two boys. And I'm thinking, I couldn't give them up. I don't want to lose them. I love them so much. I couldn't stand to see anything happen to them. I need to be obedient to God. Man, that day I get it. They did an altar call. Young go sit down. Give my beautiful family a big round of applause. That day, that day they did an altar call. I was the first one at the altar. I wasn't playing. I baptized over 3,700 people. Some of them were playing. Some of them I've never seen again. Some of them are back to drinking. Some of you men, some of you women will leave out of here today, not change. You don't care whether you heard this message or not. But for me, there was something serious about that day. He said, come follow me or else. What is God protecting you of? What is God sheltering you from? What storm is coming your way that God is saying to you this morning, come follow me or else? Maybe some of you today are up in age. Maybe some of you today have, I, I need to make a priority list and put Jesus at the top of that priority list. Maybe some of you today are still struggling with addictions. You need to put Jesus over your addiction. Maybe some of you today are, 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 are outside of God in a lot of areas of your life. God is not a set of rules and regulations. He's a love, and he loves you so much. That he gave his one and only son. And he said that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You say, Brother Mark, you think God would have took your child 
You think if you would have got right with God that God would have punished you? Do you think God, God would do that? Do you think... I, I, I have trouble preaching this message sometimes. I preached it at a rodeo several years ago and had a lady come up to me and said, you think God took my son? She had lost her son. So you think God took my son because I wasn't living for him? I said, ma'am, I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that he loves you. And I can tell you this. Whatever happened before this day brought you to me. And if you'll serve him from this day forward, he'll lead God and protect you. He will take care of your everything. I stopped preaching this testimony of mine, Kim, after that for a while. I, it, it just troubled me because I have some great friends in my life who have lost children. I, I have people in my church who have lost sons and daughters and family. And, and it's, not out of, it's not because you were living wrong. But for me, this is my testimony. I don't know what your testimony is, but this is my testimony, and it needs to be heard. I don't know the reasons why you've lost someone. I, I can't tell you I'm not God. I don't play God. I'm not ever going to try to be God. God is God. He has an answer, and he is perfect, and he loves you perfectly. And I can say this. If you have lost a loved one, if God took one of your loved ones, if you have lost a loved one, they're in heaven today. The only way to ever see them again is believe in that prayer. Believe in that Jesus right now in your heart. You pray and ask him to come into your life. And the Bible says if you pray and you believe with all of your heart that one day you will die, and everybody dies, one day you will stand before the Lord and he'll let you into heaven to be with those loved ones. I, 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 I struggled in that. I struggled in that. But for me, there was a whole lot of wrong. There was a whole lot of manipulation. There was a whole lot of lies. There was a whole lot of abuse that went on. For me, this is my testimony. It's not your testimony. You can't tell my testimony. It's, your, it's, it's my testimony. So I need to tell. The Bible says be ready to give an account. Be ready to tell your testimony. I gave my testimony to you today to tell you because he told me, he said, come follow me or else. Today, I'm following him still today because I don't want to see the or else. Now, let me back that up with biblical principle and let's go home. 2 Samuel, open your Bible, 2 Samuel 12. Father's Day is the day where I think the men of God, the men of great change, the men who are faithful to Jesus ought to get a big round of applause. Come on, somebody. Second Samuel chapter 12. I told you this is my testimony. Come follow me or else. I felt the or else was he was going to take one of my children. Can I say this to you as we're looking? Listen to me. I'm done. I'm done. I'm almost done. Listen to me. I never heard this story. Never read this story. Didn't know anything about this part of the Bible. God told me, Mr. Johns, come follow him or else. Several years later, I'm in church. 
I'm telling anybody who will listen to me that Jesus is real. I'm still in church today telling whoever will listen to me that Jesus is real. I found this story one day in the Bible, and it relates to my testimony. I want to read it to you, and I want you to follow along. 2 Samuel, verse 12. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to King David, he said, There were two men in a city. One was rich, but the other was poor. The rich man had many sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little female lamb he had bought. The poor man fed the lamb, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, and it drank from his cup, and it slept in his arms. The little lamb was like a daughter to the poor man. Then a traveler stopped to visit the rich man. The rich man wanted to feed the traveler, but he didn't want to take one of his own sheep or cattle. Instead, he took the lamb from the poor man and cooked it for his visitor. Verse 5, David became very angry at the rich man. He said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this should die. He must pay for the lamb four times for doing such a thing. He had no mercy. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I appointed you king of Israel and saved you from Saul. I gave you his kingdom and his wives, and I made you king of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you more. So why did you ignore the Lord's command? Why did you do what he said is wrong? You killed Uriah, the Hittite, with the sword of the Amorites and took his wife to be your wife. Let me stop right there. Hold your spot. The man we're talking about is King David. David and Messiah. How many have heard of that story before? David and Bathsheba, that story before. David lusted after her. David killed her husband. He slept with her, plotted, lied, cheated, did anything he could to manipulate the situation. Now, this is David in the Bible. He sinned against God. This is David, the one we talk about, uh, David and Bathsheba. We talk about him lusting. We talk about keeping our eyes in our head and pay attention to what God has given us. This, this relates to a lot of men today. Let me finish this story. Verse 7, Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said. I appointed you king of Israel to save your soul. I gave you the kingdom and his wives. I made you king of Israel and Judah. And if that were not enough, I would have given you more. So why did you ignore the Lord's commands? Why did you do what you, you knew was wrong? You killed Uriah. That was Bathsheba's husband. You killed Uriah with the sword of the Amorites and took his wife to be your wife. Now there was always, now there will always be people. This is the Lord talking to him. Now there will always be people in your family who will die by the sword because you did not respect me. You took the wife of Uriah the Hitler for yourself. This is what the Lord said. Now pay attention, verse eleven. This is what the Lord said. I'm bringing trouble to you from your own family. While you watch, 
I will take your wives from you and give them to someone who is very close to you. He will have sexual relationships with your wives, and everyone will know it. You had sexual relationships with Bathsheba in secret, but I will do this so the people of Israel can see. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan answered, The Lord has taken away your sin. You will not die. But what you did caused the Lord's enemies to lose all respect for him. For this reason, the son who was born to you will die. Then Nathan went home, and the Lord caused the son of David and Bathsheba, Uriah's widow, to become very sick. David prayed to God for the baby. David fasted and went into the house and stayed there, lying on the ground all night. The elders of David's family came to him and tried to pull him up from the ground, but he refused to get up and eat the food for them. On the seventh day, the baby died. David's servants were afraid to tell him that the baby was dead. They said, look, we tried to talk to him while the baby was alive, but he refused to listen to us. If I tell him the baby's dead, he may do something awful. When David saw his servants whispering, he knew that the baby was dead. So he asked them, is the baby dead? They answered, yes, he is dead. Then David got up from the floor, washed himself off, put lotion on, changed his clothes. Then he went into the house of the Lord to worship. After that, he went home and asked for something to eat. His servants gave him some food to eat. David's servant said to him, why are you doing this? When the baby was still alive, you fasted and cried. Now that the baby is dead, you get up and eat some food. David said, while the baby was still alive, I fasted and I cried. I thought, who knows? Maybe the Lord will feel sorry for me and let my baby live. But now the baby is dead. Why should I fast? I can't bring him back to life. Someday I will go to him, but he can never come back to me. Then David confronted Bathsheba, his wife. He slept with her and had sexual relations with her. She became pregnant again and another son named Solomon. The Lord loved Solomon. Part of my testimony. God said, come follow me or else. God's saying the same thing to you men today. God's saying the same thing to you women today. Come follow him or else. God's saying to you teenagers today. Come follow him or else. Can I say this from the bottom of my heart? I want better for those boys than I ever had. And I'm trying to give them a better life in another way than what I was shown. Stand with me today as we pray and close today. A godly father is a leader. A godly father is a leader. He'll lead his family. I love watching men of God work. I love to look in this church and I love to see men who are leading their families towards the Lord. We have an awesome group of those men today. Just like BJ. BJ got off drugs. Lori got off drugs. They've been leading their family to Christ. They've been leading Misty Rain every Sunday to church. I love to see men of God like Todd. So many other men in our church today. Carl. Jimmy and so many other men in our church today leading their family to the Lord. Let me ask you today. Men, this is a cry for you to change. I want to encourage you today.
to give your heart to Jesus. Stand with me in prayer, please. Stand with me in prayer. I want to pray today. If you're here today, men, and you have never accepted Jesus into your heart, would you pray with me right now? Remember what I told you my friend told me? John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're here today and you need to believe in Jesus for the first time, pray with me right now. Just say, Lord, come into my life and save me. Today I make you my Lord and Savior. I've sinned against my wife. I've sinned against my children. I've sinned against my God. Lord, please forgive me of my sins. I'm going to follow you from this day forward. I'm going to follow you from this day forward. Man, if you prayed that with me today, let me see your hand. Is there anybody? One, two, three, four. Any men in here brave enough to pray this prayer today? I'll follow you from this day forward, Lord. God bless you and you and you. Amen. Thank you for those lives today. Thank you for those men today. Now, for the church, for the wives, for the families, if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, if you don't know where you're going when you die, let me give you some assurance today. Not insurance, but assurance. Place your hope in Jesus. Pray with me right now. Just say, Lord, come into my life and save me. Today I make you my Lord and Savior. I'm going to serve you from this day forward. I know that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins, Lord. I'm going to serve you from this day forward. One more time, listen to me. If anything stepped on your toes that you saw us men do, it wasn't to do this to bring shame to you. It was to bring change to you. If you're here today and you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, I want you to do that right now. I want you, men, I want you to take this challenge with me to be the greatest Christian father the world has ever seen. I want you men in this church to be the greatest Christian example this world has ever seen outside of Jesus. Rededicate your life with me right now. I'm going to rededicate my life this morning. If you're with me this, men, raise your right hand today. Raise your right hand, men. If, if you want to be the best Christian example for the world to see, raise your right hand. Hold it up. Say, Lord, I rededicate my life to you. Let me hear you. Let me do it one more time. Lord, I rededicate my life to you. I'm going to be an example to my children. I'm going to love my wife like I never have before. And I'm going to love other people with all my heart. And Lord, I'm going to follow you from this day forward. I rededicate my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Somebody give God a praise.